Speaker of the Assembly Robin Voss helped lead an extraordinary session of the legislature last week, securing some key conservative victories before Republican Governor Scott Walker makes way for Democrat Tony Evers. Contrary to the left's characterizations, there wasn't anything unprecedented about this session. Yes, some of the measures will constrain the power of Evers and fellow liberal Attorney General-elect Josh Call. Republicans say the measures are about leveling the constitutional playing field and returning authority back to the first branch. Speaker Robin Voss joins us now on this special edition of MacGyver Newsmakers to talk about the extraordinary session and the extraordinary conservative era of the past eight years. Good day, sir. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us. I am good, Matt. I always enjoy it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's good to hear your voice is back and strong again. I know that was the battle on the floor last week. Well, you know, it's interesting. Some of the Democrats said perhaps it was um, part of their new strategy to silence conservatives, but I didn't believe it, and we got all through it, so it's good. Well, they have certainly tried over the years to do so, but not successfully. I wanted to start with the extraordinary session, because indeed it was extraordinary, but I don't think it was extraordinary quite in the way that Democrats, their fellow liberals, and of course uh, the big national interest uh, from the left like to paint this. It was extraordinary for conservatives to see conservatives locking in these free market limited government reforms, a lot of which, by the way, uh, Republicans have dealt with over the past couple of years. Well, the interesting thing is, and for my friends on the left, look, I don't like the fact that Tony Evers won the election on November, you know, in November. I accept the fact that he's going to be our new governor, but it doesn't mean that the same Republicans who were elected on the same day shouldn't have an agenda of our own. And hopefully more often than not, we'll be in agreement with Governor-elect Evers. But on certain things that we really are proud of and we know that they put Wisconsin in the place where we're all proud to say that it is. I don't want to allow things to slide backwards just because of political maneuvering. So simple things that we can talk about, like WEDC, which helped to land Foxconn and a whole lot of other job uh, creators across the state, making sure we have work requirements for welfare, which, of course, was a hard-fought battle, but we got the waiver from the Trump administration, and, of course, voter ID. So lots of things that, you know, if you're angry and on the left, perhaps you think shouldn't happen in Wisconsin, but the fact is there's a law of the state. And if you want to change the law, you shouldn't be able to do it by the stroke of a pen or political maneuvering. It should require you to sit down, negotiate, work with us, and hopefully more often than not we'll be able to get that done. Angry and the left just seem to go together these days, kind of like uh, chocolate and peanut butter in a Reese's peanut <laughs> butter cup. I just, I saw that last week. Did you, did you get the sense in your colleagues uh, in the legislature, I'm just uh, talking Republican colleagues, but Democrats, that this had the whole feel of disorder and nastiness like we saw uh, almost eight years ago in February and March of 2011 during the Act 10 battles? You know, it was similar because you had on one side uh, the, the mainstream media, which were all in for the Democrats. I mean, literally, I felt like the Journal Sentinel was an arm of the Democratic Party. So on one side of the equation, you had angry Democrats who you know, literally were doing everything they could to try to throw red flags up, and most of them red herring arguments to somehow say this was unprecedented or we didn't listen to the people, that we weren't reflecting the fact that there was an election. In fact, we are reflecting the fact that there was an election, which is why we know that we're going to be in hard negotiations with Governor-elect Evers. 
because he wants to change Wisconsin's direction. Look, he has every right to try, but just because the governor wins an election doesn't mean that Assembly Republicans or those of our colleagues in the Senate are going to roll over and play dead. So mm-hmm. all that we really do is make sure that there's an equal seat at the table so that when time comes to negotiate, both sides are going to be able to give and take, but not one side dictate to the other. Well, this is interesting to me, and we're talking with Speaker Robin Voss in the special edition of of MacGyver Newsmakers. I, this is what is interesting to me, is we keep hearing from the left, we certainly heard it last week, we continue to hear it this week, that uh, the, the people of Wisconsin have spoken. But it feels a lot like to conservatives around the state that the people of Madison and the people of Milwaukee have spoken. And yes, they came out in impressive historic numbers. There's no denying that. And it doesn't matter where you come from in a statewide election. If you deliver the votes, you win. But it's not like Evers has a mandate here with his 49% and his victory of less than 30,000 votes. Uh, but yet we keep hearing from the left about the subversion subversion of the will of the people. How do you feel about that characterization? Well, the will of the people is that they want a divided government, which means that we're going to have Republicans in charge of the legislature and Democrats in charge of the executive branch. And as you mentioned in your lead-in, The founders intended for the legislature to be the first branch of government. It's supposed to be the one that's the most representative. Of course, you have a lot more diversity of voices, Democrats, Republicans, urban, rural, uh, minority, majority, all kinds of folks who are going to want to have their say versus the executive where, yes, our system intends to have a strong governor, but we also need to have a strong legislature to balance that out. So you implied, and it's correct, that Madison and Milwaukee delivered the overwhelming number of votes to get Governor Evers in office. You've got to represent all 72 counties. We do. And I think that's why it's important to make sure that when we go to the table and negotiate, the governor has a hugely uh, important job, and he also has a very powerful office with uh, the ability to appoint hundreds of bureaucrats, uh, line item veto, the ability to have the entire administrative apparatus on his side, and the mainstream media. So I certainly think he is going to have no shortage of power to influence the debate. But we wanted to make sure that the table is set so that when we negotiate, each side has the opportunity to have their voice heard and that we don't get steamrolled by an executive out of a very small portion um, you know, of the ideological spectrum that got him into office. Let's talk about some of the things lost in the din of last week between uh, the left's narrative, which was pumped out, of course, by uh, their friends in the mainstream media. Uh, But this is what, among many things, was lost. 78 of 82 of the appointments were sent to the Senate months ago. There was the complaining by Governor-elect Evers and Democrats that, you know, this was all just being pushed at the last minute. That's just one of myriad examples to suggest that this wasn't simply a last-minute session, lame duck session thrown together to, to take away or bind the, take away the powers of or bind the hands of Governor-elect Evers and uh, Attorney General-elect Josh Call. Well, and I think that's the most important thing, that at the end of the day, when you see the opportunity for uh, Governor-elect Evers and the new Attorney General, they are going to have every chance to influence the process. And I think that the very fact that somehow people are making the case that these were rushed. Look, I talked about this with Governor Walker and Senate Majority Leader Fitzgerald uh, earlier this summer. We met in the spring to talk about it. So, I mean, this is not something that just came out of you know left field. But I will also say, if you look at some of the individual proposals, the work requirements for welfare, that's a couple years ago. Uh, The waiver for um, Mm -hmm. allowing us to be part of the oversight. We had that in the budget 
uh, and Governor Walker vetoed it. We're hoping he reconsiders. The income tax cut offered by Dale Quenga, that was five years ago. So if you go back and look at every one of these ideas, very few of them are not something that people have either heard us talk about if they were paying attention or certainly would understand we wanted to have more oversight. So I think that this is another example where if you say something that's not true often enough, an awful lot of people believe it. And that's what we're seeing with this situation where we've done a lot of our work uh, some people didn't pay attention, and now all of a sudden they are paying attention and feel like it's new. Well, the reality is we've been talking about it for a while. It's just that perhaps people haven't paid as much attention as we might have hoped. Well, we know that elephants are known to have long memories. What can be said about donkeys? But we figure out now that they have pretty short memories. And I say that in context of... Uh, Democrats talking about unprecedented times in this extraordinary session, but we were down this road eight years ago. You were there. You remember what happened when Democrats controlled the governor's seat and they controlled both houses of the legislature and they tried to push through union contracts that certainly would have tied the hands of Governor Walker. But more than that, uh, we were told this week by Representative John Nygren, who, a Republican of Marinette, who is also co-chair of the Powerful Budget Writing Committee, that there were more uh, plans and provisions in place of what the Democrats wanted to do at that time to try to restrict or to try to uh, block the powers of the executive branch with Governor Scott Walker coming in. C- can you speak to that memory issue by the Democrats and how it played or how it didn't play out here in this particularly extraordinary session? Yeah, the mainstream media, again, has kind of ignored the fact that in 2010, there was a true lame duck session, because the definition of lame duck is when one party is swept out and going to be replaced by somebody else, so they try to rush something through. Well, the legislature was Republican, got elected again as Republicans, and is going to stay that way, so we're not certainly a lame duck. But when the Democrats, eight years ago, knew that they were losing power, they tried to rush through four-year contracts for state employees, which was really unprecedented, to lock in the ability of Governor Walker to not find the savings that we did to invest in schools and roads and all the important ideas that we've done the past eight years. They also investigated ways to change redistricting, take away appointments from the governor, uh, all kinds of ideas in their potential lame duck session that the mainstream media is never going to talk about because they weren't successful. Well, because Democrats are disorganized and couldn't get it done doesn't mean that they didn't have the same intent to be able to change how government operates. So, you know, if you look at ours, all of our proposals were ones uh, that either have been vetted or talked about um, in one way or another since we've been in office. So, you know, none of our proposals were a surprise other than the fact that Um, You know, we were able to get them done to a lot on the left. We have a good team. We talked, we negotiated, we worked with all the interested parties uh, in the legislature. And that's why I think we were able to get it across the finish line. Unlike our colleagues who just like far too often uh, talk a good game, but then very rarely deliver. Speaker Robin Voss joins us in this special edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. We learned over the weekend that uh, Governor-elect Tony Evers has uh, spoken to the man he will succeed, Governor Scott Walker. We learned that on the the Talking Heads, the Sunday Morning Conversations, national uh, television. Uh, But has the governor-elect spoken to the people he's actually going to have to work with? And that's the Republican-controlled legislature. No, Governor, I mean, I did meet with Governor-elect Evers shortly after the election. He was gracious. We sat down for about uh, an hour, talked about things that he's interested in, hoping that we can find areas of bipartisan agreement, and I agreed. So my hope is that we keep the discussions going forward. But 
I did not have anyone reach out to me from his administration or the governor-elect himself to talk about some of the provisions or ask if there could be changes or perhaps there were things that he didn't like or did like. He really kind of doubled down on just saying, don't do anything, which, of course, in the vague way that his campaign was ran, it's pretty similar to how he operated for the last year. So I guess it didn't surprise me. Mm. What are the areas of compromise that uh, you can see happen uh, once you finally get to the table, once you begin those negotiations? Well, I think we're going to find a way to make sure that we keep investing in our schools. Um, You know, of course, uh, I'm a supporter of public schools. So is Governor-elect Evers. Uh, I am a strong supporter of school choice to make sure that in failing schools, uh, kids are not trapped into a life of no education and poverty. Uh, He is not obviously a supporter of school choice, but my hope is we could try to find some common ground to say that no matter what the school is, public, private, home choice charter, that we should be able to succeed with those kids regardless of who pays the bill to, you know, to put the lights on. So I guess that's an area where I'm hoping we can say let's focus on all education, uh, public being the most uh, utilized and probably the biggest investment we make, but not forget about those kids in choice and charter schools. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, I think we also have a chance to talk about an awful lot of other topics. I mean, my goal as a conservative is to try to give people short-term help so that they don't depend long-term on the government. Uh, You can look at every area whether it's people on Badger Care, hoping that they don't stay on Badger Care forever. Uh, that's why we try to provide work training. So I hope we'll be able to work together on ensuring that the people have access to good worker training. Uh, that we have an opportunity for foster kids, because every single child who's in the foster care system um, needs to make sure that they don't go into the same cycle of poverty that unfortunately far too many of their parents are in, either as a, somebody who abuses drugs or potentially has uh, you know some kind of a, a health issue. So. We know that foster kids is an area I think we can work together on. Uh, I know that we have done an awful lot on Alzheimer's and dementia to help senior citizens. My hope is that we'll be able to keep investing to ensure that people can stay in their own homes as long as they're able and that they also have the care that they need if they're not. So I think there's going to be an awful lot of areas that we can sit down and work together uh, as long as we both agree that if we just sit down and have an ideological battle, that's not going to be accomplishing very much for the, the citizens of the state. And my hope is it doesn't degrade into that. Well, on that topic, are you concerned of the rhetoric uh, from the campaign trail from Tony Evers and Josh Call? Are you concerned that the governor-elect who talks about uh, a moderate position of listening to everybody as he goes on his statewide tour uh, to figure out what uh, are his budget priorities, but are you concerned what he said before? And not only that, but the people... He is naming two committees already, from big labor to uh, pro-abortion sectors, all of these sorts of uh, uh, people involved in the incoming Evers administration. Are you concerned that he goes full tilt left? Um, I'm not just concerned. I'm convinced that's probably what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the governor's initial decisions usually are a pretty good indicator because you don't get much more bipartisan than how you begin your term. So I certainly think that by the appointments that he is choosing to make initially, um, you know, over-representing organized labor at the expense of worker freedom, um, Planned Parenthood, uh, an awful lot of people who live in Milwaukee or Dane County, I I think that's a concern that I have, but of course he has the ability to write that ship. So um, I'm going to wait and watch all of his appointments, but I would say the initial ones are, you know, cause for concern because they don't necessarily reflect the cross section of Wisconsin in the way that our caucus does. 
but I also believe that he has every right to choose the people he wants. He's the governor, and that's why the policies that he proposes are going to be thoroughly vetted by the legislature, and we're going to ensure that they reflect the will of all of Wisconsin, no matter where you live or what your zip code is. Speaker Robin Voss joins us. Just a couple of minutes left uh, with the speaker. We've talked a lot about this extraordinary session and the events uh, of the last several weeks, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the extraordinary last eight years in this state for taxpayers, for people who want to see their government uh, limited, for a surplus, by the way, that we find out uh, most recently. We're seeing nearly $600 million, yet another surplus. You couldn't say that when you came in eight years ago in the Republican Revolution. Well, and I think that's the challenge that I still have, to be honest, because I look at the record of success that Scott Walker, Rebecca Clayfish, Brad Schimmel, and the Republican legislature had, record surpluses, more money in public schools than ever before, all we've kept property taxes down, had record low unemployment, and an opportunity to bring in huge new job creators like Foxconn. If you would have told me a year ago that that record could potentially lose, I would have thought you were crazy. So I could not be prouder of the last eight years, and that's why I have promised myself, my caucus, my constituents, that we're not going to turn back. Uh, you know, there are some things that we're not going to be able to stop. Tony Evers is going to be a liberal. He is going to try to grow the size of government. He is going to believe that the answer always lies in the hearts of a government bureaucrat. And to me, the answer lies in the freedom that we all get to enjoy the peace and prosperity that a minimalist government gives us to be able to guarantee that folks who are you know, downtrodden or need extra help get it. But it certainly isn't that heavy hand of government that makes people successful. So, you know, I'm an optimist. I think that Governor Walker has a fantastic record. I think he is going to go down as one of the greatest governors in our state's history uh, because of the transformational nature that he made, taking us from, you know, a rusting, aging state at the end of Jim Doyle to one of the top 10 states for job creation and economic development, in addition to having a tax burden that has fallen over the course of the past eight years. Um, I think he's got a wonderful legacy. It's one that I'm going to do everything I can to maintain. And hopefully, as we see the contrast, people will long for the days of Scott Walker and not continue to go down that path of Dane County liberalism that I think Tony Evers is going to offer. On that topic, just a quick question about uh, Foxconn, the big legacy transformational economic development project uh, right in your neck of the woods in uh, Racine County. Are you concerned about what happens next with uh, the Foxconn development? Uh, I am, but at the same time, I trust the folks from Foxconn. Um, I have met with them very regularly, and I know that they want to make this a huge success, not only because they've made promises and signed a contract, but because it's in their own financial interest and the interest of our state. So I also am going to do everything I can to make sure we stick to the letter of the contract on behalf of the state. And I hope and I'm optimistic that the Evers administration puts rhetoric aside, puts behind the, the campaign, um, you know, rhetoric that they skewed out over the course of the state of Wisconsin's campaign and focuses on the fact that we're going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of good paying jobs. And that should be a nonpartisan issue that everybody can rally behind. So once again, trying to be optimistic, I hope that they'll give the opportunity for Foxconn to succeed, and then we all get to be at the groundbreaking, taking credit for something that, of course, was started by Republicans, but perhaps it can be finished by the Democrats in a good way. There you go. Okay, a little segment, uh, last bit here. We call it Five Fast Questions for our guest, uh, Speaker of the Assembly, Robin Voss. Are you ready, sir? I sure am. If you were in charge of hire hiring, who's the next Green Bay Packers coach? 
Oh, my goodness. I'm going to stick with the guy that's already in there because I am actually optimistic after Sunday's game. Are you really? I am. I okay. actually am. 5% chance we make it to the playoffs, so there you go. Huh? It's, <laughs> well, it's only one game, and we're at 100% right now. Stock's on the rise. That's right. Hey, the better Christmas song, Meli Kalikimaka or Santa Baby? <laughs> um, I would choose Santa Baby, but at the same time, um, I love all old Christmas songs. Oh, I do, too. I do, too. What's your, speaking of old Christmas songs, old Christmas movies, what's your Ralphie from Christmas story moment? You know, the Red Ryder BB gun thing, the best gift you ever got. Wow. When I was a kid, I got a green machine, uh, which oh, is kind of like yeah. a pinwheel. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> about. Oh, I got the same deal. And then Susan, uh, the neighbor in the neighborhood, is four years older than us, and... Uh, a little little hefty, got on the green machine and broke it. So oh I, my God. I got heartbreak after Christmas, uh, during that, that <laughs> summer after Christmas. Okay, according to Spotify market research, emo rap grew by 292% in 2018. What's your favorite emo rap artist, sir? Okay, that long pause is, I don't know what emo rap is. <laughs> <laughs> that makes two of us, somebody that you know, asked me to ask you that question. So we'll just leave it there. And a final question for you, paper or plastic? Oh, always paper. Recyclable, easy. There it you go. Rip. There you go. Best of best wishes to you and your family. Uh, we wish you the the happiest holidays. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and we will see you uh, hopefully for all Wisconsinites a profitable New Year ahead. Thanks, Matt. Merry Christmas to you and everybody who's listening. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Speaker of the Assembly Robin Voss joining us on this edition of MacGyver Newsmakers. I'm Matt Kittle reporting.